You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This week we're going to be doing Miles Davis, Birth of Cool. In the room I have been Hello. Adam, Grady, and myself. Birth of Cool is a compilation album by jazz musician Miles Davis, released in 1957 on Capitol Records. Produced by Walter Rivers, the genre is cool jazz slash jazz. It compiles 12 tracks recorded for the label over the course of three sessions during 1949 and 1950. Stepping out from under the wing of Charlie Bird Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, a 24-year-old Miles Davis with the help of Gil Evans, Jerry Mulligan, and John Lewis defies a pivotal moment in jazz as he moves away from his bebop mentors and sets about to de- and reconstruct bebop's vocabulary into a fresh improvisational space. All right, what do we think of Birth of Cool? The first, first cool jazz album. That's cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. No, yeah. I, I mean this honestly. I, I'm kind of I'm I'm a jazz newbie. Is there other like is is cool jazz like a, a movement that extended far past this record, or is is cool jazz more or less limited to this record and more, maybe more of his catalog? No, it, um, cool jazz kind of defied uh, West Coast jazz. So you got East Coast and you got West Coast okay. jazz, and elements of. Cool jazz. I don't know if Grady wants to elaborate. He's saying no. He's he's waving nope. you on. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so basically, it features sort of unusual instrumentation, and uh, sort of went back to uh, classical music techniques, uh, polyphony, and with that bebop element on on top of it. Okay. So it has these has instruments playing the same same notes. But the, but it almost sounds like a like singing like harmonics. Well, there's that. It's 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 a slightly less aggressive. Yes, certainly a less aggressive. Definitely approach less than, aggressive than bebop than the which, bebop which, we've listened which, to. What he was trying to move, Miles was trying to move away from. It's more mid tempo, um, a, a little more subdued. It's not as flashy, um, and and this was. Miles coming into his own. This was his first album as yep. a band leader. Yep. Um, and and so yeah, the 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 orchestration, um, yeah, did call on a lot more more classical, I guess, compositional and harmonic elements. And what I didn't know until going into just you know, ten minutes ago that this wasn't actually recorded in '57. Yeah. This was recorded in '49 and '50. Yeah. Um, and you hear in a couple tracks in particular these these you know immediate what seems immediate precursors to what Miles would get into in the late 50s with the modal stuff with kind of blue the um 
the 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 type of harmonic or, or, or harmonies in um, in sketches of Spain. The uh, was it Moon Moon Child Moon Dreams Moon Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, that that song is you can I think just trace directly or chart directly the path from that to sketches of Spain um, in terms of some of the pedal points used and the, and the, the modalities. So that it was you know seven eight years earlier than than I had thought is, is even more remarkable. Yeah, Pro- prolific is probably the word I would I would use. I mean, even today it just sounds fresh. I mean. It's got it's got everything that sort of like a classic jazz album should have. It's got on the spot playing, like great playing. It's it's transitioning. It's it's moving in a in a different direction, a new space, and yeah, it's top notch. Recording's fantastic, and all the yeah, players are on like right on point. And, and the doubling up of the instruments was was something. Um, and he used there were tubas um, yeah, involved. And I there, thought I heard some tubas. Yeah, yeah, there was was there a flugelhorn? I mean, a, a lot a lot of it. It's, you know, you, you think of I mean, going back to what we were talking about in, in last week's uh, about those very yeah piercing highly mixed trumpet solos you don't get that here it's all a lot kind of contrary to cool jazz it's a lot warmer sounding Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um go ahead i was gonna say both uh the recording techniques like you were saying and also everything about it the 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 playing the compositions is very digestible to the the non-hardcore jazz fan which i'm i'm a jazz appreciator i always i I, I like it when it's on i've never really sought it out that much uh these these exercises where we're listening to these albums and talking about them is really the first time that i've like you know just really listened to jazz with headphones and like tried to form talking points you know and this album is just it was just way easier for me to to slip into than say like like the felonious monk we've talked about or or other stuff you know i guess just by the nature of that being bebop and that was kind of the point of bebop well, a little it, bit well bebop but, was was the punk sort of rejection of a lot of like the 30s white swing and everything well bebop. i love punk well sure and, and, and bebop was was basically people let's play a bunch of shit that that whitey can't follow along to and can't comprehend and can't play along fair to. enough yeah um and, and so it, it, it's interesting that this seems on i think there are a couple of of exceptions but this this is a lot more mainstream sounding. Yeah, it almost is, incorporates that melodic. This is, this yeah. is the stuff yeah. that like my parents' parents would have, and they were I think pretty square overall. But that that they still would have appreciated in the in the early fifties, despite the fact that this has so many revolutionary elements to it. So it sort I wonder of though towed that line because I mean it's still pretty edgy. I'm sure this this. But you listen like Boplicity. I mean that is a you know. That's a that's a that's a dinner party sort of background song if if I've ever heard one. Um, now is Bop is that the same Bop as Bebop, or do you think that's just the, coincidence? The etymology of, of, of <laughs> Boplicity in that, but but you, you think of Bebop, you think of high, you know, fast pace, and yeah. then you got Boplicity. Yeah. Yeah. 
stuck Great. out for me in terms of like Miles and his uh, stamp, you know, his style. Yeah. And this is, and this feels even crazier now that I know that the record was recorded like eight years before it came out in the late 40s, early 50s. And um, But Jero, the second song, after listening to like a couple weeks ago, Duke Ellington, mm-hmm. that song is definitely from that style yeah. of, it sounds like a deconstructed Ellington song where it's like we're gonna pull out a bunch of the musicians we're gonna have less players and we're gonna basically take a a melody that is common in the 40s deconstruct it and do some weird intervals and just do like some strange layering of uh the horns in order to make it just a little bit weirder yeah and you can see how like it reminds me of like cubism or something or you're breaking down form in order to uh, push forward. Mm. And I, I thought it was really interesting because that song, if you just changed like, if you, if you just changed like even one of the instruments so that the harmony that they're playing was more basic, you could, you could hear a, a really like standard forties jazz song in there. Yeah. But that's just not what they're doing. Yeah. Even in their even in this cool jazz that's like this a little easier on the yeah. ears than So I pulled yeah. out a, a Yeah, not saying that it, w- it wasn't pushing things, but it it, it it towed that line in that it was still relatively accessible yeah. on, on a certain level yeah. while doing all of mm-hmm. these progressive things. And also it wasn't a flugelhorn, it was a French horn. Oh, oh. Very thank good. you for clarifying. Yeah, well, <laughs> just for what it's worth. Uh, but yeah, it's rooted differently. But, <laughs> but it's rooted in that. I'll respond to Grady. Uh, it's it's rooted in the tradition, which makes it like grounded. But it's also pushing a little bit, and I think that's that song is the perfect example of that for me. Yeah, I pulled out a, a quote that I've found like very, very enlightening. Um, it's from Stephen Erlewine from All Music. And he says, Birth of Cool remains one of the defining pivotal moments in jazz. This is where the elasticity of bop was married with skillful big band arrangements and relaxed, subdued mood that made it all seem easy, even at its most intricate. After all, there's a reason why this music was called cool. It was hip, detached elegance, uh, never got too hot, even as the rhythm skips and jumps. That's a really good description. I like that a lot. We should get him in here. Yeah, I know what he's talking about. And getting <laughs> getting that feel of a big band from this was a non it was a nine piece. Yeah. So it's a, bigger than a lot of bands. Bigger than a lot of bands, but, <laughs> but when you think of a big, big band, band, you know that's a twenty plus right, piece right. orchestra, and this had the fullness of that in a, in a much more sort of concise, very very uh, calculated 
pairing and, and grouping of, of instruments. Did anyone else notice how short these songs were? Yeah, they're all yes. like three minutes. Three yeah, minutes. It's like radio length. Yeah. It's it's in, especially for a jazz record. Yeah. yeah, you were just like commenting on yeah. even on the, the moon. Yeah, the 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 solo, the, the, the drum, drum solo in move like, is the appropriate length of a drum solo. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how long drums should be played with no accompaniment. <laughs> <laughs> Says the drummer. Says the drummer. <laughs> yeah. Well, even the Moon Dream song, which feels like it sort of drifts off Stretch into out, stretches out, yeah. ethereal sort of space is only about three minutes as well. Yeah, it does. It does. Not much time. It's kind of amazing. It does one minute of intro, one minute of expanding, and then right at two minutes, it's it goes into that ethereal it sort of cools down and yeah. floats off, and then yeah. settles on this nice little major chord of the. That's my choice well, track when, from the album. I don't know if they yeah, intentionally placed restrictions on themselves or it happened organically, but you know, when when you restrict yourself, it does force you to be creative with what you have. Like true. if you give yourself like, you know, three minutes to to make a statement like Moon Dreams, just to, to put that restriction on, on an artistic statement, sometimes you get interesting results. You get you're you're capable of as an artist, you're capable of things that you might not have been aware of before. Right. And I think I think Miles saw that he wasn't he had you know been with the the, the bebop crowd um, or players and he he wanted something something different something a little more relaxed something that he could kind of play around with while maintaining that uh, almost classic classic composition style. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I don't know if anybody can dispute. Is this a classic album, or is oh, this yeah. a cool no, album? I, I, I you know, I keep a list on my phone of of things to look for in dusty bins and in mm-hmm. forgotten stores, and this is a new addition to the list. I would love to be able to find this one somewhere. Yeah, I agree. It's it's classic for a reason. It's pivotal in in jazz and just in music history. I would say. You heard it here from four white boys. <laughs> Birth of the Cool is a good album. Fifty years, sixty years late. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I still, I, I want to know the story of why it was shelved. You know, yeah. That's, that's to me, like, I, I, I can't stop thinking about that. Is that, like, is that in the in the book proper, Birch? I, no, I read that I somewhere. That um, just that sort of thing blows my mind, especially when it's like. I mean, maybe they were just waiting until Miles Davis is like a bigger deal because they wanted to play that card. That that is would be my guess is that Miles didn't Miles did not have a name. Um, he well, he was something to sell. Right, he was playing with uh, Bird Parker Charlie. and uh, Gillespie, yeah. but uh, uh, yeah, it's probably because he he didn't have the recognition. Yeah, and once he he got that recognition with those players, this. 
uh, sort of surfaced, and they said, "Well, we got this. We yeah. got this compilation." And uh, it's went to it with these '50s records because you know it's it's before our time, right? And so you know, I don't have the context just like built in my brain of like, oh, well, that wasn't out yet, and yeah, or like you know, I. I just didn't. I didn't know if this was his first record. Going into this, I didn't know if this was his first record on his own. I didn't know. Like when did jazz, Miles Davis get jazz started? is strange that way? And I mean, this time was also strange that way because they were doing you know forty fives. They were yeah. doing single releases. Um, I think he had. They're all playing uh, with some, each other. Some seventy eights. Um, yeah, they're all playing in in different groups, and so. This is, you know, his first official album. But I got a bit of background here. So sure, I've got a little bit too. Tracks to from the '49 session, January '49, were released soon after recording as two pairs of singles. From the April '49 date, Israel and Boplicity were doubled together on a '78 and released okay. as well. Of the twelve recorded, Capital released relatively few in '58. After some persuasion, Capital released eight of the tracks on a 10-inch. And then 5711 of the tracks, all except for Darn That Dream, were released by Capital as Birth of the Cool. The only song with vocals was included with the other 11 in the 71 LP. So, so that's why they call it a compilation yeah. album. Right. But they had released a lot of so, them. So some of them, so, had, a, a few of them were released back in the late 40s, early 50s. The only thing the book, uh, the 1001 Albums book, says about it, it says that... Uh, Critics identified with the album's quietly audacious attitude. The public, however, disagreed. Cool was overlooked until its resurrection in the West Coast revisionism of Mulligan's mid-50s groups. So, the question is, how could it be overlooked if it wasn't available? (laughs) The 78s were overlooked, maybe? Maybe the 78s were overlooked. Well, and just that it it didn't didn't have... have the name Cool yet, either. So maybe people didn't know it was cool. Well, a couple, well, yeah, I mean, a couple of the tracks were, were released and floating out there, but it, it didn't have the same impact until Jerry Mulligan maybe brought it into a, a larger. Right, and he wrote sort of um, quite a few of the tra- quite a few of the tracks. So yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to be visited by Miles Davis uh, again, <laughs> yeah. probably a few times. Yes. I think that's fair. Um, Even as a, a non-jazz scholar, I could probably think of three or four that would be <laughs> on this list. Uh, so, yeah, absolute absolute classic. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, anybody want to bring up anything else about uh, Davis? I mean, yes, but I, I you feel... You want to wait wait for another... I, I feel I need to wait till <laughs> okay. a, a later That's, album. What, okay, 1959, right? That's fine. Is, we're getting there soon. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Okay. That'll do it for this uh, episode. So next time, we'll be uh, talking about Machito's Kenya. All right, bye. Bye. Bye.